Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Thursday, December 15th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Chiefs got back in the victory column last week at Denver, but they did it the hard way. Well, first, they did it the easy way, getting a 27-0 lead. Then things got dicey before they pulled out the six-point victory. On today's show, beat writers Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope, along with columnist Vahe Gregorian, discussed what went right and what went wrong for the Chiefs in that game, starting with the play of quarterback Patrick Mahomes. And by the way, the Chiefs can clinch their seventh straight AFC West title this weekend with a victory at the Houston Texans. The show started as a Sportsbeat Live broadcast, so let's get started. Hey, good morning from chilly Kansas City. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live. This is our weekly conversation about the Kansas City Chiefs. And we do that with the folks in the media who know them best, and they work for the star, thankfully. It's Jesse Newell, Herbie Teope, and Vahe Gregorian. Um, we want to hear it's from It's an amazing you. coincidence, Claire. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> Um, and uh, every week I just shake my head in wonderment uh, that uh, <laughs> join us with your questions and comments and ask Vahe, Herbie, and Jesse a question. Sam McDowell couldn't join us today. Of course, he'll be back soon. So, uh, guys, uh, as I put out on a tweet promoting the show a little while ago, Chiefs riding a two game losing streak as they go to Houston uh, on Saturday. Uh, been tough for the Chiefs, you know. It's been a long time since they lost two in a row like this. And oh, wait, hold on, hold on. What am I hearing? Oh, they, they won Sunday. I'm told now that they actually won that game on Sunday at Denver. Um, I kind of, I have to check my my notes here. Um, but yeah, they end up winning 30 to 28 over the Broncos. We'll talk about the Texans and um, and we'll talk about the Broncos game. But first, Herbie, what's uh, what's the latest on McCole Hardman and in uh, the injury update? And how how did Patrick Mahomes end up on the injury list this week? Yeah, we'll start with Mahomes because that caught everyone by surprise. But the good news is he talked to the media and he practiced fully because, as we know, with the Chiefs, if somebody is not practicing fully, they're not talking to the media. So that that, that leads me to believe this isn't anything major. But it is a right hand injury. Uh, as far as McCole Hardman is concerned, his 21-day window to return from injured reserve officially opened Wednesday with his appearance on the practice field. So the Chiefs can take all the way up to 21 days or anywhere in between that. So will he be active for Sunday's game? You know, we'll, 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 we'll do the old Andy Reid. Yeah, we'll see. So it's really going to depend on how much he's able to do and if, if the Chiefs want to bring him back now. Uh, and the other guy is Kadarius Tony. I was kind of surprised to see him put in a limited practice on Wednesday because, uh, you know, over the last week, past week, the Chiefs do do a ramp up period and he was limited all three days last week. So it wasn't a surprise when he was inactive against the Broncos. But starting off the week as a, a limited participant, along with Nazi Johnson, their, their rookie defensive back, that's a little concerning for Tony. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens here Thursday and Friday if he'll be available on Sunday. No, Sandy Reid uh, said that one of the issues for McColl as he returns is he needs to put some weight back on. Um, I need to get on that McColl Hardman diet uh, to, to drop a few pounds here. Uh, all right. Uh, Chiefs win at Denver on, on Sunday. I thought the, the conversation most of the week that I've heard centers on the defense and especially the young cornerbacks, and we'll get to that. 
as well. But I want to I want to actually start talking about uh, Patrick Mahomes and, uh, and and the game that he had. And we got to hear from him yesterday in his, his, his weekly meeting with reporters. And I, I like what he said. You know, he, uh, we I think we played a little bit of it before we went on the air here, just to remind you that you know he thought he had a good game, except for the three interceptions. Uh, I think that's a pretty nice way of putting it, Vahe, that um, you know, it, it was a pretty good overall game for Mahomes, but it was his third straight game under 100 in passer rating because of those interceptions. And those interceptions actually put the Chiefs in harm's way uh, in, in that game. I the, the, the two right before, at the end of the second quarter I thought were totally responsible for flipping the feel and momentum of the game. And that third one you know, kept uh, kept it interesting in the end. Those were just so uncharacteristic. Only the third time in his career with three interceptions. Uh, and uh, interestingly, he won two. The Chiefs won two of those three games. The, the one that didn't win was the crazy game in L.A. Uh, against the Rams where the Chiefs still scored 51 points. But um, – you you wrote about Mahomes and his game. I want and we didn't get a chance to talk to you after the game, so I just wanted to get your overall Patrick Mahomes um, reaction to his game and, and what he said this week. Yeah, I mean it, it. It's not quite like the old joke about. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how'd you enjoy the play? But um, you know, it the three interceptions obviously is the glaring thing. What what is also actually completely true is that he. Other than those three plays, he really did have a pretty good game. And what I think is notable, um, we, we've seen this all along, right? I mean, he's always so eager to talk about his mistakes. Um, even even Sunday, I kind of asked him an open-ended question about, um, it, you know, he seemed to be exhaling as he came to the podium. <clears throat> excuse me. And he instantly goes, you know, right into the interceptions. And I think... What's also interesting, though, is him using the phrasing you just said a moment ago, Blair, where he, where he is pretty cognizant of, you know, this isn't the sort of game to make you lose your confidence, right? It's the sort of thing that gave you a couple more teachable moments. You know, he, we could look back all through his career and, and see that he'll be quoted saying, um, I just need to know what that fine line is. Most of the time, he has a pretty uncanny knack of knowing that fine line. Sometimes, you know, there's some sort of brain cramp or miscommunication. Um, even on Sunday, he got a little bit into how, uh, uh, you know, he knew with the that he forced the first one to Kelsey, but they got out of, um, he basically broke a rule of, of how to uh, determine whether to let, let the ball go there and bring in Kelsey, try to bring Kelsey back in front of somebody. Um, the second one we know, he, really, he was trying to throw it in the dirt and he just didn't execute it properly. And the third, uh, as he said, Sunday was bad, bad. Um, and that that one to me was kind of the more mystifying of them all because it, um, it he'd already had those two in his muscle memory and then forcing it in that situation. Uh, but look, I, I think that um, last little thing in this burst is that I asked him, the last question after the game was whether he thinks just with it's human nature. Once you get up 27, nothing, if something can psychologically change a little bit. And I thought it was interesting. that he said it shouldn't be, but he didn't say it isn't. Um, and so I think there's a little of that, you know, that all goes into this blender of, of how that happened. 
Um, so I, 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 I'm trying to think back to how, how you actually phrased the question and whether I answered any of it. Um, but that was my thought about his game. I think he'll be fine. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yada, 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 yada. I think he'll be fine. <laughs> I didn't say anything okay. about this. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Listen, uh, he he, uh, you know, he his team scored. Uh, you know, the offense scored twenty-seven points. There was a defensive touchdown. He threw for three, what three fifty, whatever it was. And this was against what the number two defense. Number two. Uh, number in in the NFL. You know the the Broncos' problems are on offense, and that's why we'll end up talking about the Chiefs' defense here in a little bit. But. Um, I don't know. Listen, it is three interceptions, which interceptions, which gives him eleven for the year, and he's thrown an interception in eight of the thirteen games. Uh, the Chiefs absolutely have a turnover problem. They're they're underwater in turnovers, and that's usually not the sign of a, of a championship level team. You know, the Kelsey fumble against the Bengals was obviously the the, the critical moment in that game a week earlier. And and then of course Mahomes picks and these in, in the Broncos game kept the game closer than we all thought it was and probably should have been. But so um, Jesse, what do do? You, everybody can say that they're dedicated to every team can say they're dedicated to, to preventing turnovers and getting turnovers. But this Chiefs team seems to have a bit of a turnover problem. Yeah, um, I'll actually disagree. Uh, so of course it, you will. I will. That's what I do. Um, I wrote this story last year about this NFL team who started off three and four and everybody said they had a turnover issue and this was going to cost them and they couldn't overcome it. And their quarterback was turnover prone and he needed to be better. And that team ended up as the AFC champion in the AFC championship game, hosting a game where they were favored by seven points. That team was the Kansas City Chiefs because turnovers are fluky. They just are. And it's hard to wrap your mind around. I talked to uh, Ben Baldwin, who's a great follow on Twitter for people out there. He writes for The Athletic Contributes, but does a bunch of number stuff. And it's, it's really hard to wrap your mind around this. But yes, turnovers are caused by people who shouldn't have had that happen. So we can say, yes, Patrick Mahomes deserves blame for the mistakes he made in this past game against Denver. What they aren't is basically a predictor of what's going to happen moving forward. And we saw that with the Chiefs. Oh, last year when they, everybody thought they had a turnover problem. They didn't have a turnover problem. It's not sustainable, basically. It's not something you're going to bank on every single week. You need a huge sample of time to basically say a team is turnover prone or not. Turnovers is one of those things that's just kind of fluky year to year, uh, other than teams who are really, really dedicated and really, really good at it. So the Chiefs not having or creating many is kind of fluky. I mean, you expect that to probably go up here, especially against these bad teams uh, that they're going to be facing here in the next three weeks. But I would also just venture to say that I'm, I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes. Um, the sustainable thing that they do is when they get a first down, they get another first down. And when they get that first down, they get another first down. They usually turn that first down into a touchdown eventually. That's what they do better than anybody else in the NFL. And that week to week is something that you see correlates. And that's something that the best of the best offenses have. And that's why when you throw three interceptions, you still win games against some of the best defenses in the NFL because you continually get first downs and move the football down the field. So if you're a Chiefs fan and you're looking at this offensively, uh, again, I, I hate to just shoulder shrug everything with Patrick Mahomes, but I'm shoulder shrugging this. This is not a big deal to me. Uh, he had games like this last year. This is where people had doom and gloom, and this is where at the end of the year they didn't have those turnovers. They became a much better football team. They made it to the AFC Championship game. 
Could it pop up in a playoff game? It could. I mean, that's possible. It's always possible. But am I worried about Patrick Mahomes? No. I, I was listening to the guys on PFF uh, talk about this game, and they were saying exactly what you said earlier, Blair. They were much more impressed by the Chiefs' offense ability to continually drive against a really good Broncos defense than they were concerned about Patrick Mahomes' three interceptions. I'm on the same boat there. Well, I'll say that the uh, you mentioned the AFC you know, team that got to the AFC championship game after having a you know starting the year with all the all the turnovers. Big moment in that AFC championship game was a Mahomes interception in the second half um, against the Bengals. There is no team. I'm sorry. There's one team in the NFL that has a better turnover uh, ratio than the Chiefs over the last ten years. And that's the New England Patriots. So um, the Chiefs obviously emphasize this: that uh, you know, you, you take aways, giveaways. They they do a, they've they've done a good job historically. I don't know. I, I think I think of it as a. I think turnovers are a trendy thing, in, in, in not not a hip cool thing, but a they tend to be uh, fall into into trends. And when it when a team starts turning the ball over. I don't think they can turn it off like a like a faucet. Those for some reason those continue, and you know the fact that Mahomes is one interception away from uh, matching. No, I think thirteen is his career high from uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and 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 the fact the Chiefs have lost a couple of fumbles in the you know in their losses this year, right? The, the 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 Colts game where the biggest momentum swing in that game was a Sky Moore fumble. And you guys will have to help me remember the Buffalo game if a turnover played a big role in in, in the Bills' loss. But, um, but you know, the Kelsey fumble against the Bengals, it, it just takes one. It just does. And part of the reason for the, uh, for, for the small margin of error in that department is the Chiefs' defense and, uh, and, and the way that it has played. And, Herbie, let's, let's start with you on this. Um, we're seeing – we're seeing uh, the result of a team that drafted three cornerbacks this past year and play them and, and a team that plays those three drafted cornerbacks, aren't we? You're seeing that, but I, I, I look, I'm going to agree with team Jesse a little there uh, on the turnover part, because when I think of turnovers and, and Patrick Mahomes, I go back to a guy that Andy Reed was around a lot in Green Bay with Brett Favre. Favre obviously threw the most interceptions in NFL history. So you know you, you take you take the greatness and you know what's going to come with the ugliness. And, and that's what you're seeing with Patrick Mahomes right now. You know he is going to throw some interceptions, but you just take it because you know Mahomes is one of those guys that I call the ultimate erasers in the NFL. He can he can absolutely erase mistakes with with some other significant plays. But when you're talking about the defense, and I know people are up in arms right now against the Denver Broncos, that first interception put the Chiefs' defense in a bad spot because that interception came on the other side of the 50. The second interception also gave the Broncos another short field. You're going to live and die with young cornerbacks, okay? That, that's just the, the nature of the NFL. It's just how they're going to react on the next play, how they're going to react in the next game. I think Justin Reed yesterday said it best. When he said, yeah, we, we do have young, I'm paraphrasing here, we do have young cornerbacks, but, you know, it's, it's their ability to listen to the veterans and learn from their mistakes, and that's what you're going to have to count on going down the road here with three young corners. 
Andrew has a comment on this. I'd like to to go over because I am all 22 guy a little bit. So I kind of wanted to see how the chiefs, where they went wrong when they got down 27, nothing in that game. And I think Spags is in a tough spot here because when the chiefs got up 27, nothing, they went a lot to zone coverage. And we talk about them being young in the secondary. Those guys did not react well to going to zone coverage, especially uh, from what I saw, Jalen Watson was dropping way too far back and leaving some of the easy passes in the flat open when he was the flat defender. Uh, so those are sorts of things that are kind of tough. And then when you start to have crumbles like that, you start to have guys that maybe try to do too much. They follow their own guy out of a zone because they don't trust who's over the middle. And that sort of thing fell apart. So when they didn't have that, it's sort of like everybody's talking about, oh, Spags blitzes all the time. Well, I think he went back to man coverage, which he's what he's, what he's more comfortable with or what the guys are more comfortable with. And a lot of times when you have man coverage, you obviously have blitzing because you have some extra guys that you need to figure out what to do with. So uh, I'm in agreement with Herbie there. I think a lot of this is just the young secondary and what they're going through right now. But I think it was pretty discouraging for the Chiefs defense. This is the time of year when you need to sort out those things. And you feel kind of scared about rookies week four, week five, week six. But as the playoffs come here, you need Jalen Watson to know where he is. You need Joshua Williams to, to start to understand leverage. And on the first Jerry Judy touchdown, get him a step further toward the sideline so the sideline can be your friend and not allow him to make a catch when he gives a little bit of push off on you. So uh, the Chiefs have made their decision here. They are going to run with these guys. That's all they have on their roster, basically, is these young secondary players. That means they're fast. That means they're physical, all these sorts of things. And I think Joshua Williams has been pretty good being around the football. But now those sorts of technique things need to – Need, need to come to fruition because those needs things need to be the next step so that these things that are right now touchdowns turn into incompletions turn into hey the guy's out of bounds and same thing with Jalen Watson um just understanding your assignment understanding when you're supposed to drop and not giving up easy passes what happened then as you saw when the Chiefs went man when Spags went to man and some blitzes they threw the screen pass over him uh they got the big touchdown that way also Russell Wilson had a bunch of scrambles we see Patrick Mahomes do this against man defense you see man defense nobody's open you take off running because everybody's back is turned so Interested to talk to Spags today to hear kind of what he says about the man versus zone stuff, but I thought it was discouraging. Usually with a 27-0 lead, you're going to go to the safe call to the zone. It wasn't very safe for the Chiefs this week because some of those guys were not in the right spots. I'd, I'd add, to me, the, 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 the most disappointing moment from the rookie group of, of cornerbacks was the Trent McDuffie penalty. Um, uh, where he got turned around on an, a bit of an underthrown ball by Russell Wilson and uh, did not get his head turned around, which which caused him to run into was it Judy. I, I don't remember who the receiver was, uh, but it turned out on, on a four, it was a fourth down play too, right? Uh, and ended up being a forty six yard penalty. I, and I, and yeah, again, I, yeah. is that right? I can't remember. Did it at least set up? The yeah, first? it was the fourth. It was Go the ahead. fourth and four, I think, and then that led into the the second and thirty four. It might have instead been a third and twenty-four if it, it hadn't taken that penalty. You know, a couple of things like that. But that, but that play, Blair was, I mean, as pivotal as it gets in 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 just the 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 last sequence of the game. Yeah, uh, you know, I I just had seen McDuffie in a different light than than Watson and Williams, uh, just understanding where they were drafted and uh, and and and, and what, what my expectations were, and that that's just a. That's a big mistake that uh, that McDuffie made, and hopefully he's uh, you know he'll learn from that. Yeah, and the just weird one, one quick. Go ahead, go ahead, Jess. Well, and I'll get to you. Yeah, you take off after this. 
I will be more Team McDuffie than that. I think he's been good since his return. Um, that penalty, obviously, you know, probably a 50-50 call, if we're honest. Um, one of those where even the announcer was kind of talking about, eh, is that really a penalty? Uh, I guess it is when you're at home, those sorts of things. Uh, I think he's been good, but they do need Joshua Williams to step up because we know Joshua Williams has the, the height. You know, they've been kind of keeping those guys separated. And Joshua Williams is the one who's drawing the Jamar Chases, the Jerry Judys of the world. So uh, they need him to come into his own here. And McDuffie has been locking down the other guy a lot of the time and understands his own responsibilities pretty well, it seems like, from from watching film. But uh, they, they do need one of those other guys to emerge. And like I said, it was not the best game for uh, Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson this past one. Just just one quick thing on McDuffie. Uh, on the, I think it was the first pass of the pass of the game by the Broncos, the ball that, that went off his face mask. Um, as it happens, Justin Reed acknowledged yesterday that, that he, he deflected it a little bit. And Trent said that he couldn't, he could, he didn't even know if it was deflected because he couldn't see it, the ball coming down past Justin's hands that were outstretched. So um, I, I, I bring it up just cause I think, I think some people just sort of thought, Oh, what a, what a clumsy thing. And it, it wasn't really that. Um, so you know, grain of salt there um, might have been a turnover if that had just, you know, been a little more, a little different. Would have also made us look at the defense a little differently. Just a little thing like that. See how fluky turnovers are, Blair? See how fluky they are? I see. I see. Go ahead. Go ahead. Vi. Oh, just one last. Yeah. Sorry. One last quick thing. This is this is not just I'm not saying I'm any more concerned about Patrick uh, than than I was before. I'm not. I'm not. But it is interesting, those 13 interceptions last year, last season, I think it was last season, right, with 13, um, I think eight or nine of them, at least six or seven of them were deflected, um, which, you know, sort of made those seem a little different. I don't, I can't recall one of those this year that was deflected. I think Andrew's got it right on here, too. Um I think if you're a Chiefs fan, and, and this happens around this area, and I think it's a benefit to being around this area because I, you know, I covered KU, uh, you know, ring the bell, but I covered KU for a long time, and people get very connected to their players and wanting them to be perceived nationally as they perceive them here. Uh, but Andrew talks about the case for MVP. I think that's exactly what a lot of this narrative has been is that Chiefs fans have been propping up Patrick Mahomes for good reason for MVP. I think he's the MVP of the league, but now Jalen Hurts has taken over as the favorite with that. And I do think the interceptions will hurt him because, uh, you know, I've covered these, done these awards before. It's really hard. I mean, you, you, you have to take some face value stats to look at these things, compare them across the board. And that's why Jalen Hurts to me has moved ahead of him is because, uh, you know, you look at, at the interceptions and, and that is going to be a, a mark on Patrick Mahomes if you look at this toward the end of the season. So that's probably disappointing for Chiefs fans because, again, up until a couple weeks ago, he was considered the heavy favorite. And I, like I said, I still think he is the best player in football right now. But uh, that is going to be something he's going to have to overcome here the last few weeks is, is seeing that number alongside his name and having those mistakes on his ledger. I, I think Mahomes has a chance to rally, too, uh, in the race, because I, I do think that the perception is Jalen Hurts is ahead of Mahomes, has pulled ahead of Mahomes in what seems to be a, a two-person race. So um, I, I I think there's an opportunity for with Mahomes with the remaining schedule for both players to um, uh, to, to get back into the into the lead on this. And you're right about Hurts. He, that, that offense doesn't produce uh, a, a lot of – uh, interceptions hurts. I think he has three or four this year or something. And he's got a really nice passer rating because of that. Um, hey, if Mahomes is calling you to tell you he's on team Jesse, you can pick it up, Blair. It's okay. 
Um, hey, uh, just as an aside, uh, Vahe, you were there and Jesse watching it. Um, were you surprised that um, that the Chiefs took the penalty uh, in, in the Broncos game to, to, to turn a third and 24 into a second and 34? Um, in, in the moment, I wasn't alert enough to think, boy, this is a dumb decision. But really, as you if you just break it down. To, to the that those two scenarios do you want second and 34 you want third and 24 in that situation how uh how significant is field goal range all those kinds of things i i think the the bigger threat was there any ability they would have at all to convert a first down right and i i to me third and 24 is what you'd rather have and i i i blair and i were talking about this the other day jesse i, I don't want to air dirty laundry in public but um we find ourselves thinking quite often about uh, all the sharp analysis that uh, what we might call the younger generation, such as you and Sam, are capable of coming up with. So, you know, we're all ears to uh, to <laughs> to what what you see there. I'm in complete agreement. Um, if we want to talk about things, look, I think there are things to that I get upset about or that I think are wrong that are criticisms of Andy Reid. Um, I think. People saying he throws the football too much. I think that's a feature, not a bug. I mean, throwing the ball in the NFL is great. Like, and if you have Patrick Mahomes, it's really great. So, like, him throwing the football a lot is great. Good job, Andy. Like, he should be praised for that, not criticized. Uh, a lot of the short yardage, him being cute. Uh, you know, I hate his criticism of that, or getting criticized for that, because the Chiefs have been really good in the red zone for a long time, and they utilize all their weapons, and they do creative things. I hate that criticism. The one I think he absolutely deserves it for is some of these things we're talking about, and – to me, that's probably something that could bite them more than a turnover or a you know a wave of turnovers in the playoffs, that sort of thing. We've been talking about this all year. Sam McDowell, our colleague, has been on it all year. Fourth down decisions, field goal decisions, not going for two, up 12, late in the game, when you know potentially – and you just said it, Abai, you're completely on it. Moving back 10 yards to try to move them out of field goal range when you're up 12 is ridiculous. There's no moving them out of field goal range. They're not going for a field goal. You know what I'm saying? So making it third and 24 is the smarter play there instead of second and 34, where something weird can happen to your defense. Sure enough, with the Chiefs, something weird happened with the defense uh, over the next two plays, so uh, the next three plays. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I don't know. I, I've sort of gotten to the point I think this is just what you get with Andy Reid. Like, there's so many positives. He's such a great coach. He's such a great offensive mind. He's so good with his players in the locker room. Like, this is just the bug right here. Like, he – he needs somebody on his headset. He needs somebody to hire for $100,000 a year. Maybe Sam McDowell. I mean, don't take him from the star, but maybe Sam McDowell to tell him what he should be doing in these situations so he's not so far behind the rest of the NFL. But his answers this week, his explanations for this, were short and they weren't good enough. They just weren't. He said that he thought about field goal range. It's what you said, by and had a really short response. And it's just those are costly. They're costly in the margins. They're small costly but they're costing none less. So I, I would say if, if there was one criticism, again, I just told you all the things Andy Reid does well, there's a big laundry list of them. The one thing he doesn't do well is, is listen or have somebody in his ear in those situations. Could it cost the Chiefs in the playoff game? It could, and maybe it will. I don't know the answer to that, but I, I do think the Chiefs are behind the NFL when it comes to those decisions, and that was another example of it in the Denver game. Just to elaborate on your point, Jesse, and, and you mean this figuratively uh, less than literally, but he, he does have somebody in his ear and it, we're not uh, privy to the, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not doing that or whatever, <laughs> however that 
monologue dialogue goes, but um, it would be uh, obviously a fascinating thing for our audience and also for us if we could ever get anybody to really elaborate on how those dynamics work. But that that's that's the thing that's very interesting about your point. I mean, that's they've got that going on. By the way, I I like the set of things you describe as as uh, you know features versus bugs. I I basically disagree with them all. I would like to work out the Mike Burton bug. Um, oh, let's know, do this I, one. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do this one. I, I, and, and and actually, it's not so much a Mike Burton bug as a third and one plunge bug. Um, you know, you know and, what their success look, rate was? The blocking... Go was ahead. Success... Say, Jesse. And what, was your, what was their success rate on it last year? You want to guess? They did 11 times. I think it was, I think it was really high last year, like 100%. 11 for 11. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And this year it has not been that. It is not, but I think we're speaking to probably more execution than we are. Again, if a play works 11 out of 11 times last year, we weren't all running out to write about it, I guess, except for me, because I did write about it in June and talk to Mike yeah. uh, about that particular play. Uh, listen, the reason that play works is the Chiefs have Maulers, right? They've got Trey Smith. They've got Creed Humphrey. Those two guys bulldoze those guys on the side, and then you hand it off to, to Mike Burton real quick. He gets the yard. Uh, I haven't looked at that play uh, specifically to see why it went awry, but again, I, it's hard for me to criticize a guy for running a play that was hundred percent last year. Now, can you move off of it now? Potentially? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you can look at film, but I, I do think there is more to just dumb play call rather than, Hey, look, there's play call, there's execution and you can do the right thing and call the right thing and not have the guy do the right thing. And then those can both be, we can, we can talk about both of them. You know what I mean? So uh, this, yeah. isn't, this isn't throwing it on Creed Humphrey or Trey Smith. I haven't seen the video, but I'm just saying that uh, there's more aspects of this than just dumb play call. And if it was a dumb play call, it wouldn't have worked 11 out of 11 times last year when they really need it in those situations. And frankly, when the whole building still knew it was coming last year, the Chiefs were able to execute and still get that yard. Well, one thing you, you didn't say this in that in that uh, burst, but I, I know you can speak eloquently to it too. But even as you studied it last year, it, it's it's call, it's execution, but it's also wrinkles, right? I, I guarantee you that the blocking scheme is not exactly the same on each way they've done that. I mean, I shouldn't say I guarantee you, but I assume that there's there's plenty of uh, little little subtle nuances in that that um, wouldn't be apparent to the naked eye. Um, so anyway, it's interesting to it's interesting to think about and talk about. I would say the one subtlety I would say that the Chiefs probably have going better for them this week, potentially, depending on what Herbie was talking about um, with them getting McCall Hardman back is that perimeter threat. You know, you can put a guy in motion. You have to think about that. But if the Chiefs do not have Kadarius Tony and they don't have, uh, you know, McCall Hardman on that particular run, it does give you one less thing to think about. So, um, again, I'm, I'm a little bit more lenient on the Chiefs on this one just because we how many times did we laugh last year in the press box because everybody in the stadium knew it was going to Michael Burton. It went to Michael Burton. They gained three yards. Um, so that's because uh, the Chiefs line is really good most of the time. And for that play, whatever, again, I'd have to – I wish I'd watch the all 11, uh, all 22, getting ready for this one on that particular play. But um, for that one, for whatever reason, it didn't work. And I think both things can be right. You know, this can be a good play call for the Chiefs because of their good players, but also could be good execution that they didn't have this particular time. So I'm not ready to punt from the playbook, and I'd be go as far as to say that we'll probably see it here at some point in the future, maybe not for a couple of weeks, to get a little time to rest. I think we'll see a little uh, play action off of it uh, in the future as well, just because everybody does know it's coming. 
All right, guys. Uh, <clears throat> great conversation. We got to about a third of what I've got listed here, but uh, that means it was a great conversation, and it always is with Jesse Vahe, Herbie, and Sam McDowell. Uh, we'll do it again uh, on Sunday after the game, a programming note. We're going to, um, in, in some cases, it happened last week, and it's going to happen this week as well. We'll be on somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes after the game and not the usual two hours or so. Uh, it, it just works out. Sometimes it just works out better for us to do it sooner after the game rather than later. So if you're watching now, join us again on Sunday, probably in the 3.30. It's a noon game, right? So 3.30, 4 o'clock is when we'll, uh, we'll come on the air and talk about what we just saw. So That'll do it for today. Thanks to our producer, George Howard, for his work on the live stream and the podcast, and to our production crew of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen, Tip of the Cap, Devahe Gregorian, Herbie Teope, and Jesse Newell for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition was 43 pages today, and that's a light day for this week. Still, you get more sports news crammed in there than you'll have time to read. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. Every day.